Welcome to the next great podcast. iHeartRadio's talent scouts have been on the hunt for the freshest, funniest, and most compelling voices out there. We've sifted through thousands of incredible entries. Now, we're giving 10 lucky teams the chance to impress you. To crown the next great podcast, listen to these 10 pilots, and then vote for your favorite at thenextgreatpodcast.com. Today's entry comes from Sabrina Firminger, and it's called Cringe. We like Sabrina's creative spin on the traditional celebrity interview format, using embarrassing moments to break down the wall between usually polished public figures and their fans. Sabrina seems like just the right personality, funny, dynamic, and empathetic, to get her host to open up, and the subject matter itself has the potential to ultimately inspire, empower, without being cheesy. I'm Sabrina Furminger from Vancouver, Canada, and you're listening to the pilot of Cringe as part of the next great podcast competition from iHeartRadio and Tongle. I didn't know what it was to experience cringe until I stepped foot in school. And once I did, cringe was everywhere. On the playground, on the bus, in gym class, school was a non-stop cringe-tastic horror show. I'm in kindergarten. We're drawing pictures of our families. I draw my dad, my mom, my little sister. And as I go to color them in with a peach crayon, my favorite, my friend Ashley says, you can't use that crayon. Your dad is brown and your mom is pink. My mom is white, but it's 1984 and we're in a Montreal suburb. And me and Ashley don't yet have the vocabulary to speak intelligently about racial constructs and white supremacy. Not like today's five-year-olds. I've never before noticed that my parents are different colors. But now, staring at their smiling but colorless faces on the page, it's all I see. What crayons do I use? And what crayon should I use for me? Newly half brown and half pink. I'm embarrassed that Ashley had to point it out to me. I'm humiliated that I'm different. I color us blue like Smurfs and swallow my shame. It's the first week of eighth grade. I've been objectively a nerd for a couple of years now. I wear big, thick glasses and get straight A's and write fan letters to actors on Star Trek The Next Generation. But this year... This is the year I'm going to at least look like every other pink girl in my mostly pink school. Not only that, I'm going to be pretty. I sneak red lipstick and pale foundation and bright pink blush from my pink mother's makeup bag and, standing in front of a cracked mirror in the girls' bathroom, apply it to my face with unskilled hands. Kids laugh. The guidance counselor, who is always kind, says I'm brave to wear such bold colors. That's the day Ryan Van Batten starts chasing me around at recess, shouting, You're so flat! You're indented! That's also the day I decide to spend every recess and lunch hour for the rest of the year volunteering in the school office. Ryan Van Batten still manages to get in his taunts about my lack of chess before and after school until grade 8 graduation. I'm in 11th grade. 
at a high school a few towns away from Ryan Van Batten. Still nerdy, still no chest, but I've got contact lenses and I have friends and my confidence is budding, even if my chest isn't. There's a boy in my law class. He has green eyes and a crooked grin, and he's smart, and we laugh together about in living color and Canadian crown law. One day, I tell him, in the packed hallway after law class, that I think we should date. And he tells me, in the packed hallway after law class, that he could never be attracted to me because Indian girls have too much body hair. I don't die. I don't melt into the floor. Lightning doesn't strike me down. But in that moment, I wish for all those things. Today we have cringy school stories from an array of incredible Canadians. Our cringe stories are vastly different, but the thread that runs through them all is, when faced with that potent school-specific cringe, we didn't melt and we didn't combust. It got better, eventually. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and this is Cringe. The Back to School Edition. David Lewis. I know that now you are one of Vancouver's uh, busiest actors, thespians. Mm. But once upon a time, I'm assuming, unless you arrived fully formed, you were a kid in school. Imagine if I arrived fully formed, my mom's vagina would be a mess. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Mom. there's the cringe. There's the cringe we were waiting for. Okay, so paint paint a picture for me, first of all. What kind of a kid were you? Yeah, so, you know, so I was a cheeky kid. And part of that um, comes from the fact that I have red hair. Mm. And when you have red hair in a classroom, you stick out. You are the only one that has red hair. And you get the, the redhead is dead and carrot top and Duracell. And you look like a clown and all that sort of stuff. So you either sink or swim. You either kind of go into a shell and like, oh, that's really funny. Or you shoot back. What ends up happening is uh, you build up this armor. And then you just wear it all the time like a suit, even when you don't need to wear it. So you end up um, putting your foot in your mouth a lot, you know, trying to be cheeky, trying to be funny, trying to maybe make fun of someone else before they make fun of you, all that nonsense that we sort of deal with when we're young and, and growing up. Um, and then you add hormones and high school into the mix and everything goes sideways. So in grade eight and nine, I'm in like the choir because it seems like an easy course to take. And while in choir, someone says, oh, you should be taking drama as well. It's kind of funny or fun. And you do. I'm like, oh, OK, I guess. So I jump into drama and I'm immediately in love with it. This is amazing. And part of the thing that's so cool about it is I'm like this, I don't know, 14 year old, I guess, in grade 10 and I'm hanging out with these grade 11s and 12s and we're all doing scenes together and they're kind of treating me as an equal and it's mm. like oh that's wild and some of them are women and some of them are curvy and there's dudes with mustaches and this is wild but I'm like I'm really fitting in and it's great so it's uh it's probably around Christmas time and we do a little touring production of Cinderella uh, and we take it around to all the elementary schools in the area. And it's so fun and it's so great. And the girl playing Cinderella, we'll call her DW. Um, I've got a big crush on her. She's in uh, grade, I guess I think she was in grade 11. And there's, you know, all these other characters and everything. And I play uh, one of the guardsmen, you know, 
the royal guardsmen and everything for the the big ball. And um, so not Prince Charming. No, not in grade ten with red hair. And you know, <laughs> my face looks like a slice of pizza. Hormones. Oh, I can totally picture you. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, um, it's the best. So uh, it, we also have like uh, a little band, a little orchestra that comes with us. You know, peopled with people from high school, and one of them is E.G. And she, uh, I've known her since elementary school, and and I kind of knew that she had a big crush on me. So there's an unrequited triangle right. going on right, right here so right. With, with all sorts of initials: DJL, DW, oh, and E.G. All sorts of things. So we do our little run, you know, probably do 10 uh, performances and it's Christmas time and it's fun and it's cold and things are just great and stuff. And one of the, I think she played, Sharon, I think her name was, she played the uh, the evil stepmother. She was like 18 going on 38. She's like so cool that you could kind of imagine her probably having a cigarette after school with the teachers in the parking lot. Yeah. She was just like way too mature and everything. Yeah. So she has, I guess, what was in effect a rap party at her uh, parents' place, they're out of town. So, you know, the whole cast comes over and the orchestra and it's a thing and we're having fondue. And I had never even, I didn't know what fondue was. This is all very, you know, so, you know, we're drinks, 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 and then we're going to sit down and have dinner. Well, I'm very excited and I'm in grade 10 and I've just uh, started learning how to drink. And so, you know, the party is happening and we're having fun and I'm drinking far too much, but I'm talking to all these older actors and they're like treating me like an equal and it's great. Well, at this point now we sit down for the fondue and my crush is at the other end of the table. It's like, okay, whatever, but I'm still having fun. And again, surrounded by- Fondue. (laughs) Fondue, right. That's cringy. Let's move on. (laughs) Uh, And I'm surrounded by all these, uh, uh, again, older actors and I'm trying to be cool and everything. And sitting across from me is E.G., the one who had a crush on me. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> and uh, as the night progressed, I got drunker and I proceeded to spill all the fondue oil onto her lap and she had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, oh no! Wait a second. Yeah, I know it takes poor E. G. Yeah, poor you. It turns out she wasn't scarred in her nether regions. Oh, um, David! She she, uh, she went to the hospital, didn't come back to the party, but I saw her at school eventually, and she was fine. But you know, she it was hot oil on her on her clothing and her body, and so they yeah. Oh, so the party kind of shut down after that. I kind of killed the party. I did, uh, shortly after spilling the um, oil on EG's lap, I did go into the bathroom and fill the sink with my food from my stomach. Which, the sink? Oh, yeah, which I didn't know about until the next day. Someone told me, oh, yeah, they had to get, like, a strainer and, like, <laughs> clean out the sink. And I was like, oh, man. And then they put me in a taxi cab, and I remember uh, – and they sent me to my parents' house by myself, and I was very, very drunk. And I'm stumbling in the front door, and my mom's in the hallway. And I remember we had kind of a thin hallway into the house, and I remember walking down the hallway but couldn't really stand up straight. And so I was sliding against the wall, and I was knocking all the family pictures <gasps> off the wall, and they were crashing to the ground. And my mom was like, oh, no, David, you're just like your dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could go back, though, to that morning, that next morning, mm. And and talk, to, sit down with yourself mm. for a minute. 
<laughs> without creeping yourself out or like you know um sure. you know and you you're over the time travel impossibility of it all right but if you could you could talk to yourself then and give yourself some advice what what would you say um i would say david you don't have to try so hard I hear you've got a cringe story about school. Don't we all? What a cringe fest school was. <laughs> Even though I kind of, I feel like I peaked in school. I had a hell of a good time in high school. Uh, you know, th- things were coming up butsy for, for those three years of high school. It was pretty I cringed. good. I cringed when you said that. My goodness. Okay, so paint, paint me a picture. Set the, set the stage for your, your cringe story well, for the most part i had i had it going on in high school uh you know i was having a hell of a good time that's where your buddies are lots of opportunity to you know jerk around and try to be funny and uh i was in a uh, a band in high school and i played on the football team and uh my girlfriend was a cheerleader and it was all those things that that were like wow this is not this is, i got it going on for a for a little fat kid this is pretty good i'm doing okay and um like I said, I started doing stand-up in high school and all those things were kind of clicking. So anyway, the cringe moment comes and it's still probably the cringiest moment of my life. And that includes not many times when I bombed on stage as a stand-up. Mm-hmm. But one time at, um, it was like at a variety night in high school, you know? And so I was in, I was in this band called Main Street and we were like a real nickel and dime <laughs> meat and potatoes cover band. None of us particularly good. Uh, he, our drummer, Robert the Kook Badook, um, had never even dreamed of being a drummer until his father won the Western Express lottery and gave him five grand. And so he said, well, guess what? Now you got the money to buy drums. You're going to be the drummer in our band. And he was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> never thought about being a drummer. Went out and bought drums, became the drummer in our band. Um, so it was guitar, bass, drums. And um, so one time we're playing at Variety Night. One of the songs we were playing was uh, Keep on Rockin' Me by Steve Miller. And we had learned to play that song from listening to the live uh, al- album. It was a live recording from Detroit. He was doing a live concert in Detroit. And so in the studio recording, he's, he sings, uh, the line is, um, is, is not the same as when he's doing it live. In Detroit, he said... I, w- I went to Detroit City where the girls are so pretty. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he customizes it for the locals. He's working the local <laughs> angle. He's shilling for the locals. He says, I went to Detroit City where the girls are so pretty and the crowd roars their approval, right? So anyway, the night comes, Variety Night, and we're uh, to do this song. And, you know, it's a pretty straight-ahead, nothing-fancy song, so we're playing it okay. And we're playing the songs, just, you know, bar chords, ching, 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 ching. and uh, it's going well. You can tell the crowd is like, hey, they're kind of enjoying this uh, ham and egg song that we're doing here. And we get to the point, I guess I'm so into it that I got to the point where in the live version, he had said, I went to Detroit City where the girls are so pretty. And I said, I went to Tisdale City where the girls are so pretty. 
I'd never planned on saying that. It just in the moment came to me. <laughs> First of all, Tisdale's not a city. It's just a town in the prairies. It, w- it couldn't have come across more clunky. <laughs> I went to Tisdale City where the girls are so pretty. And you could just see the moment when people stopped enjoying the song and began wondering what the hell I was talking about. And it was a glaring error from the second it was out of my head. And <laughs> But we're p- halfway through the song. You've got to keep playing. And I could feel... The, the rush of blood going up my face where you get mm. blushing and embarrassed. I could feel it, the, the warmth of my own human blood filling my own human face like a bag of jam, you know? And uh, <laughs> just kept, now I'm like kind of sheepishly singing the rest of the song, keep on rocking me, baby, with <laughs> nowhere near the verve I had moments before. Uh, yeah, it was a hard time. And then people would yell that at me in the hallway of school for days afterwards. Hey, are you enjoying Tisdale City where oh. the girls are so pretty? Ah, shut up. You know. Oh, yeah, my that goodness. was probably the cringiest moment I've ever oh. I think I ever had. Now, if you could go back in time and to talk to young Brent in the days after that, what would you say? I would just take him aside and say, listen, you know, there's gonna be a moment. <laughs> like before or after the event? Am I talking in my No time? after, after after. Something reassuring. I oh, don't you know. wanted to go and change time. Yeah, I would love to go back and Marty <laughs> McFly it, you know. But it wasn't that big of a deal. I don't think I would even need to go back because it was it was cringy. But I also I, I don't think I would want to deny myself that experience, that cringingness. I mean, I think those kind of things they build uh, character a bit. They build a little bit of an emotional callus, a little fibrous material. Oh. And emotional that, callous that's beautiful <laughs> that goes a long way in life oh, you know yeah. you can't just step out of high school you can't step out of school and into the real world as somebody who's never tasted any manner of embarrassment or self-defeat right it's it's good to kick yourself in the teeth now and then better if you're doing it yourself <laughs> actually in a group of thugs doing it to you better if here's the sale thugs <laughs> if you kick yourself in the teeth a few times you have a better chance of avoiding it down the road somebody else doing it for you stacy mystician my most awkward years were like there's a lot of them seven like seven to eleven probably grade seven to eleven um because i was i was always the shortest um, so there was, a, there was a period where I was cute and adorable, and then there was a period where I was just awkward, and I didn't have, like, nice clothes, like the people in my school. I went to a very uh, yuppie school in high school, and I uh, was always feeling the pressure to, uh, to dress nicely, but I'd get uh, my sister's hand-me-downs or... Um, other people's hand-me-downs mm-hmm. that I would try and make stylish. So I kind of had my own style, yeah, which was a bit awkward probably. <laughs> but I was always, so I was always right in the middle of um, like it's not that I didn't fit in with the popular crowd, but I wasn't like their first choice. And I was so I was always kind of I could hang out with anybody, but lunches were awkward because I didn't really have a group that I felt part of. 
Mm. So it's like, do I try and sit with the cool girls? Do I try, do I sit with the not so cool girls? Um, I just wanted to fit in and I never really felt like I fit in with any particular crowd. Part of the reason I didn't fit in so much at my school was because I was spending so much time at my other school, right. which was Degrassi. Oh, yes. So that was part of my trouble fitting in is because I didn't have um, as much time for socializing yeah. um, with my other peers. So I kind of went to two schools growing up. So my most embarrassing moments actually probably were more to do with the Degrassi school. Oh. So let's just pretend Degrassi was my school. Yes. I was pretty much going there. Like every day we would be there and it was in a real school. In the episode that we were filming, we were doing a play. And so I had to be little John. And I was dressed in this horrendous, really, really ugly and uncomfortable little John outfit. Totally unflattering, totally unsexy. And of course at that age, I just wanted to look good and be sexy. And particularly because there was a guy that I had a crush on and um, I was very attracted to. And I, at first I was already mortified that I was having to wear this like really awful, awful outfit. It was like literally like this leather vinyl sheath put over me and like bright green tights. Oh, I just, and I wish that, I wish that this was a visual podcast. So people, could see, like, you are just, even now, like you're, you're, you look so disgusted. I'm having nightmare. I'm having horrible flashbacks. <laughs> Flashback. And so we're saying, we, we, we talk about the cringe, we let it out, we remove it. Out exactly. <laughs> okay. Awful costume, yeah. cute guy, big crush. So we're shooting, we're shooting it in the gym. And so because we're shooting it, you know, they've got lights set up and there's big fat cords and wires running across the gym floor. And all day long, everyone's saying, you know, hey, be careful, be careful. Um, you don't want to trip on any of the wires. You don't want to trip on any of the cords. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all good. We got it. <laughs> we're, we're adults, you know. <laughs> um, don't I, at one point, trying to like looking at the guy that I have a crush on in my wonderful little John outfit. Oh no. Don't I somehow trip on this wire and I literally slide on my stomach about halfway across the gym floor. <laughs> like no joke. I was like hydroplaning across the floor. Yeah. It wasn't just a little trip. It was like oh, you went big. You went big. went big. I went big. So it's not like nobody saw me. Everybody saw. In my I think, you know, part of the sheath went up a little bit, my green tights all exposed. It was just mortifying. You probably I, got even more traction because of what you were wearing because you were because so of the vinyl. Yeah. Slide, right? So whoom across the floor. No, what if you could go back in time? To that day, when you were having a lot of days, you know, related to just feeling cringy and awkward and embarrassed and being, I mean, not just being 15, but being 15 on TV, um, mm -hmm. what would you say to that version of Stacy now? I'd be saying, you know what? It's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is nothing. 
<laughs> this is nothing. Come on. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you're going to forget about that. Well, you won't forget about it, but you will realize that, first of all, you know, there's going to be plenty of other crushes. You don't have to worry about this. It's not going to define who you are. <laughs> you, can, you can get past it. Yeah. Of course, at the time, in the moment, you feel like, oh, my gosh, this is going to haunt me forever. Mari Freminger. Oh, wait, that's me. I'm in grade five now, but this happened in grade three. I was excited to go to school that day because I finally had blue hair. Mommy always said I couldn't dye my hair, but then Gran got me blue chalk I could rub in my hair and have blue hair for a day. And Daddy put it on me, and it looked so beautiful. And I couldn't wait to go to school so everyone could see me. All my friends told me I looked good, and I was so happy. At lunchtime, it was raining, and I put my raincoat on, and I went outside and swung on the swings. The bell rang, and I went back into the school with my friends, and when I walked inside, a kid saw me and laughed and called me zombie. And then lots of kids started pointing and laughing and called me zombie. And I didn't know what they meant. I said, my hair is blue. What do you mean? I'm not a zombie. I went to the bathroom and looked in a mirror, and I see all this blue all over my face. And I was like, oh no, how am I going to get this off? My teacher was so shocked to see me. I had to spend the whole rest of the day with a blue face. And my hair wasn't even blue anymore. When I got home, Mommy said, oh no, what happened? And she scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed my face with soap and coconut oil because it wouldn't come off. The next day, my face was still a bit blue, but when people tried to call me zombie, I said, yeah, I'm a zombie. Brains. The moral of the story is to check the weather and don't wear temporary hair dye to school because it can stain your forehead. And because I had a blue stain on my forehead for a whole week. And that's Cringe, the back to school edition. Thank you to our remarkable guests, Brent Butt, Mari Ferminger, David Lewis, Stacy Mystician. Got cringe? Drop us a line at cringepodcaststories at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cringethepod and Facebook and Instagram at cringethepodcast. Cringe is written and produced by Sabrina Ferminger and edited by Simon Ferminger. Original music by Red Heartbreaker. What doesn't break you, makes you cringe. <laughs>